So this is the last week, uh, this morning in our series, the, the New You, and it's been, a, it's been a great series, hasn't it, so far? It's not very good encouragement for Leon there, but it's been, a, it's been a great series so far, and it's been good to start our year this way, hasn't it? Because I believe it will shape uh, our year ahead if we uh, apply what's been mentioned. And Leon's already looked at the happy you, the healthy you, the fulfilled you, and the generous you. And it's here uh, that I want to thank you, actually, for your generosity, um, you know, last week for your well wishes and presents. Last Sunday was our anniversary, seven years married. This Sunday, it's Dee's birthday. Next week, it's Valentine's Day. I really haven't planned that very well, have I? And I'm all generosity out, and I know that's not a word. So this morning, I get to wrap this series up, and I want to talk about the committed you. I want to talk about commitment, and there might be some of you just right there that have broken out in a sweat. You see, it can be a Marmite word. You either love it or hate it, and that's because it's going to take some work on our part. You see, without commitment, nothing comes And if you want to be the happy, the healthy, the fulfilled, and the generous you, and sure, all of these start with a choice, but it's going to take commitment to see them through. It's why we see the gym full in January and half empty in February. See, commitment is the foundation of great accomplishments. And you can think here of great sportsmen and women who have achieved incredible things, but it's come at a great price It's taken commitment. And you all know that this, when it comes to your own life too, you know that nothing of any real value comes without commitment. And some of you have achieved great accomplishments in your life because you've exercised that commitment. And you also know that if stuff comes easily in life, it's it's probably not worth having either. And when I think of this, it's it's funny how, how stress, how disappointment, how worry, how fear, how insecurity, how hopelessness, all some seem to come so easily. So this morning, I, I want to talk about what it means to be the committed you and what it takes to stay committed to God. And if you're new here this morning and maybe checking this God thing out, then for you, commitment is really important. See, could you commit to keep checking, out, checking it out? And at this church, we're really committed to helping you do that. It's why we run Alpha, and it's on at the moment, which is a great way to explore the Christian faith. And you can find out more about that in one of our connection points today. And then next week, we have Mark Greenwood here, who is an excellent and funny communicator. And he explains the Christian faith so effectively and yet so simply. And you can commit right now to coming back next week and hearing him speak. Then if you are a new Christian here this morning, as many of you are, I believe what I'm going to share will help you really commit further into God and stay committed to him. And then for the established Christians, if there's such a thing, I want to talk about one of the hindrances that stops us from committing to him. But before that, to soften the blow a little bit, how many of you like dogs? especially puppies. Here you go. Take a, take a look at the screens. That's the women, isn't it? Oh. 
some men actually there as well. <laughs> so growing up, growing up, I had uh, a pet dog, along with five cats, a cockatiel, uh, a rabbit, and a sheep. I kid you not. My mom is a, a real animal lover, and I have to admit, growing up with a pit, pet dog was was pretty cool. We had him uh, from a, a puppy, and it was lots of fun walking him, teaching him new tricks, playing fetch. Simba, our dog, was a great footballer. He used to tackle you and dribble, and you could never get the ball off him. I've got lots of fond childhood memories of our pet dog, but I don't own a dog and will never own a dog in the future. And that's for my wife's benefit right there. You see, Dee would love a dog. And it's funny how Cara, my, my five-year-old daughter, would love a dog too. And it is a, a little bit harder to say no to Cara than it is to Dee, especially when she asks so sweetly yeah, for a puppy. But the answer's still no. I'm sticking to my guns. You see, as a teenager, I learned the difference from playing with the dog to being responsible for the dog. You see, what used to be fun soon became a chore. It would be feed the dog, water the dog, walk the dog, clean up after the dog, and you all know what that means. And this is why I'm sticking to my guns. You see, Cara likes the idea. She likes the concept of a dog. To her, the concept of a dog is cute, but there's a commitment that comes with the dog that she knows nothing about. And it's the commitment, not the con it's the concept, it's the commitment, sorry, not the concept that's the deal breaker. You see, some things are a lot cuter in concept than they are once the commitment is required. My mom loves animals. I love the idea of animals. That's the difference, and that's where it's staying. Sorry, Dee, but happy birthday. <laughs> And this can happen to us all in life. You see, we like the concept of something, but don't really think about the commitment. And when we don't, it can set us up to fail. See, most people fail, not because of lack of desire, but because of lack of commitment. Vince Lombardi says that, a famous American footballer and Hall of Fame coach. See, the concept of something will only last a while, but the commitment of something will see it through. And I want to attribute that thinking to Stephen Furtick. Some uh, other thoughts are from a great preach that I listened to. The dog story is true on my part, and we're still not having one. So there you go. I think there's a, a real problem, though, with commitment in our world today. And you only have to look at divorce statistics or family breakdown to see that. And, and whether it is people not wanting to commit to a relationship or or people not wanting to commit to anything. It's a, a real problem. And one of the reasons for this is fear. You know, fear that comes easily. See, it's not that fear of commitment itself, though. It's the fear of missing out on something better coming along. See, people no longer commit to things because they prefer to wait. They edge their bets for a better offer to come along. And when I say it's a problem in our world, Sadly, it's a problem in the church too. See, other things compete for our commitment. Some are totally justified, and I get that. But then there are others that maybe aren't. I'm not so much talking about attendance here. I'm talking about a lifestyle, a life 
that is fully committed to God. You see, if we get that, the latter one will automatically follow. You'll want to be here. And commitment described in the dictionary is a willingness to give your time and energy, your all to something you believe in. That's your dedication, your devotion, your allegiance, and your loyalty. And I don't know about you, but I think there's nothing and no one more deserving of our commitment than God. And that's because God first is committed to us. He's the one that gives us life. See, from the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve sinned, he remained committed. Then to Abraham and God's promises of many nations coming from him, he was committed. And then finally to sending his son, Jesus, who walked amongst us, who taught us, and then gave up his life for us, he is committed. In fact, there's no other great, there's no other great act of commitment than that in my book. And I thank God that he is more committed to us than the other way around. And let me help you understand what our commitment to God isn't and then is. You see, it's not an attempt to improve our status before God. It's not about that. That can't happen. Commitment is a means to express gratitude in response to God's amazing grace. It's not done out of duty, but desire. It comes from a heart overflowing with love and thankfulness. We love God because he first loved us. The Bible tells us, 1 John 4 and 19. And it's this love that God has for us that we should emulate back to him and then to everyone else, to all people that we come into contact with. Jesus himself says this in Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. That says it more powerfully than I did. And that's our commitment right there. And hey, I don't always get this right, but I want to commit to. I want to commit to because I want to be committed to God and the very nature of God, which is to love others. And guess what happens when we do? We become better versions of ourselves. We become the person we were meant to be because we're doing the very thing we were born to do. See, when we commit to God, we, we live and benefit from what he's already committed to give us. That's his grace, his life, his hope, his peace, security, assurance, joy, strength, and purpose. And you may think that being committed to God is a cost that you'll pay. And it is, you're right, but it's also a reward that he repays. It's win-win, but it's going to take commitment. And I've been on a whole journey with this over the last 12 months. And I want to share a bit of that journey with you now and, and how I've learned to be more committed to God. And I hope it will help you to become the committed you. You know, last year at the start of 2015, God really spoke to me about thankfulness and having an attitude of thankfulness. See, we're often great, aren't we, at saying thank you in reaction to something that's done for us. But instead of just reacting with thanks, I really felt God say, be proactive, lead, and live out a life full of thankfulness. 
and the verse God gave me was uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And you might know it well. It says this, be thankful. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And I sit with many new Christians and they ask me what their will or what God's will for their life is. That's a, a great place to start right there. Be thankful in all circumstances. It's almost a command. And Paul is writing to the Thessalonians because they were asking all sorts of questions about when Christ would return. So he writes to them to remind them of how to live in the here and now, no matter what situation they may face. You know, in the good times and the bad times, to be thankful. In their waiting time, to be thankful. And being thankful actually helps us to take our eyes off the situation and focus them on God, who is always good and who is committed to us first. And then for me, off the back of 2014, you know, everything was great. Everything was good going into 2015. And I, and I remember having a conversation with God. And I'm like, God, yeah, I've got this. I can do this. I've got so much to be thankful for. No worries. I can be thankful. But then things changed. <laughs> and last year was a, a really difficult one for me and our family. There was lots of challenges, pain, and setback. And many of you here have experienced that too. and maybe still facing difficult challenges today. And it's my prayer that what I've learned and I'm still learning will help you. See, I want to be real and honest with you this morning. And I think we should all be more committed to this, being real with each other, and more importantly with God, because this leads to real change, but it takes commitment. And many of you know last year that my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer and, and given just six months to live. That my youngest brother, who's addicted to alcohol and prescription medication, who's slowly killing himself, was hospitalized and is seriously ill. Then I had my own health problems too, which, which I think were mainly down to stress after going through what I have. You know, I had to then put on hold something I'd been really wanting to do for years. I'd started it, I was enjoying it, and, and it didn't seem fair that I had to stop. I was really disappointed. And then to top it off, towards the end of the year, we were excited, and if I'm honest here, which I am being me a little more shocked initially, to find out that Dee was pregnant. But then, unfortunately, um, at 12 weeks, and just before Christmas, she had a miscarriage, and we were devastated. You know, this is personal, uh, but I said I wanted to be real. You see, the last thing Dee and I felt like doing in that moment was to be thankful. But it was at that moment that we made a choice, which took commitment to see it through. It wasn't easy, and it was extremely hard, and there were lots of tears, and we needed time to heal. But through it, we committed to remain thankful to God. And sometimes, and especially on my part, it was through gritted teeth that I did this. But what I learned was this, that thanksgiving with your mouth stirs up thankfulness in your heart. You see, thankfulness, worshipping God, helped me to commit to God, which then led to me to committing the problem to God. 
And we first need to commit ourselves to him before we commit everything else to him. See, God can't do a lot with what we don't give him. And Dee and I learned through thankfulness that we became more committed to God. We really benefited from that. The peace that we both received was incredible. And what I've also, what I've also learned is this. You can't conquer what you're not committed to. You see, we can't wish some of this bad stuff that we go through away. But by committing to God and not taking back control, we can overcome it. We can come through it. And it will take commitment, sometimes through gritted teeth, to remain thankful and to keep pushing into God. But guys, it's worth it. And God taught me something at the beginning of last year that I needed for the whole year. And that was to be thankful. And I can honestly say that my relationship with him is stronger as a result. And I'm thankful for that. See, thankfulness helps us stay committed to God. Then uh, this week, during a, this year, the start of um, this year during a prayer week, you know, God really began to speak to me about trust and how to enter in, to use the phrase that Leon's got, into, enter into a, a deeper level of trust. And as Christians, we can all trust God, can't we? We trust God for salvation. We trust that Jesus is the Son of God. We trust that Jesus uh, rose from the dead. But, but when it comes to something personal, when we have to trust God with something major that's happened or happening in our life, it can be extremely difficult. And off the back of last year, I just started thinking, really, God, you're kidding me, right? Didn't you teach me enough last year? What do I have to go through this year? Enable to, 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 enable to show you that I trust you. And then one Sunday, not so long back, this is important. We sang the song, Blessed Be Your Name. Uh, be your name. And, and Leon shared something uh, around the words that are in the song, you give and take away. And that those words aren't necessarily related to the stuff that we've physically lost and the pain and the hurt associated with them. And, and actually, it could be that some of the negative stuff, you know, that stuff that comes easily, you know, like fear, like insecurity, like hopelessness that God wants to take away. And instead, he wants to exchange it for some of the things I mentioned earlier too, like his grace, his life, his hope, his peace, his security, his assurance, his joy, his strength, and his purpose. And he wants to do that because he's first committed to us. He's committed to our well-being. Philippians 1 and verse 6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, we can be confident that God is committed to us. And it was as Leon shared this that I started to get the sense that God was going to take away some of those negative things this year from me. But I had the sense it wasn't just for me, that it may be for us as a church. And I started to look at all the verses in the Bible about trust, and there's loads of them. But one that stuck out straight away, and I've used it many times before, is in Romans 15 and verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I've read that a hundred times, passed it on to people going through tough times. It's a positive verse. May the God of hope fill you with all, and you can't get much better than all, can you? All joy and peace, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sounds great, doesn't it? But did you notice what I missed out the second time around? I missed out five words. Five words that make all the difference as you trust in him. And God really highlighted this for me. You see, it's all linked to as we trust in him, to the level of commitment that's on our part, as we trust in him. It's the measure of that on our part that we'll receive all joy and peace and then overflow with the power of the Holy Spirit. And boy, do I want that. And I hope you do too. But it starts first with us trusting him, with us committing to him. See, trust and thankfulness are linked together. And they're just two of the ways that we can stay committed to God and become the committed you. See, when you're able to trust Jesus and be thankful, you are exercising your faith and growing it. When you're able to be truly and sincerely thankful for all blessings in life, regardless of your circumstances, you're placing your full trust in Jesus Christ. And this is what real commitment is. See, what you put into your relationship with God and not just what you take out of it determines the level of how committed we are. It's a parent that fills the fridge with food, but it's a kid that takes it out and eats it. You see, there's a responsibility that comes with being the committed you. What you put into your relationship with God is far more important in my book than what you take out of it. Be a parent and not a kid. And there's a level of maturity that comes with this too. And this is something that has to happen if we're to become more committed in our relationship with God. Because we have to remember that God is committed to our growth. God just doesn't want our involvement. He wants our commitment, fully devoted to him, because God knows we're actually the better for it. And the difference between involvement and commitment is like bacon and eggs for breakfast. The chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. <laughs> and it's going to take commitment on our part. There is a cost involved, a, a sacrifice, but there's also an incredible reward. And the last thing I want to leave, leave you with is something that I think is fatal, and it can stop you in your tracks from becoming the committed you. And I want you to avoid this at all cost. See, apathy, apathy will stop you. It will rob you of becoming the committed you. Apathy is a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. And it used to amaze me how some Christians, after knowing what they know, and after experiencing what they've experienced, can become apathetic, can walk away, and even have unbelief. Sadly, it doesn't amaze me anymore, but it, it does deeply sadden me. Because what I've realized is that this just doesn't happen overnight. You don't just wake up one morning apathetic and nowhere with God. There's a, a process which is a lot more subtle, but just as dangerous. And this is familiarity. 
And I want to give you some signs here. See, there's a, a positive meaning to this word, which is great. And we need it. It's good to develop familiarity, you know, to have close acquaintance and knowledge of something. It's good, but there's also a negative one. And when we take familiarity too far, it can cause casualness, causes ease, comfortableness, and lack of restraint. And this is something that can creep into all relationships, but it creeps into when it creeps into our relationship with God and, and if we're not careful and don't pay attention to the signs, it can eventually destroy our relationship with God. It can lead to unbelief. And there's a saying that familiarity breeds contempt. And in our relationship with God, familiarity breeds apathy if we don't address the balance quickly. And I want to give you three things Three things where familiarity can creep into our relationship with God. Three things that we can take for granted. Three things we should know, but don't do because we're not that committed. First one is lack of communication. Simple, they are, but I want to show you the importance. When we stop praying, when we stop talking and listening to God. And I'm not talking about the odd day here. We can all forget to do that. But be careful that the odd day doesn't become a week, and that week becomes two weeks, and so on. So you're on a slippery slope when that starts to happen. And we can, when we go through difficulty, we can stop talking and listening to God. We can find it hard to talk and to listen, when actually that's exactly, you know, what's needed. And then when things are good, we can forget to talk to God. We can forget to thank him and be thankful when we've got things to be thankful for. Another sign is when we stop reading our Bible and busyness, it prevents us from doing this. But in our busy lives, we never leave the house naked, do we? We've always got time to put on our clothes. And I'm so thankful looking out that you've done that this morning. <laughs> But I want to stress it should be set the same with the word of God. How often do we leave our house without um, hearing or, or speaking to God? Uh, and we get out of the habit of this because of lack of commitment. And when we do stop reading it, it eventually, you know, you, it, the words in your Bible just become words on a page. They stop living in you. And at that point, you may have gone past familiarity and maybe heading towards that unbelief. And I'll, I'll give you one more. But actually, I think you all know the signs for yourself. And it's about doing something with those signs quickly and, and committing yourself back to God. See, the last one is church. And Leon talked about this in one of his talks and the importance of having church in your diary because what's in your diary, you will commit to. But I want to mention here where familiarity may have crept in. You see, we may not come to church because we think we're not going to miss that much. You know, we can always grab the podcast. It's raining outside, so I'm staying inside. And I know there are genuine reasons why people don't come to work. There are, church, there are work commitments. Um, but I also think it's because of a lack of expectation. And I know this because I've been guilty of it. I've come out of duty. I've come because it's my job. I, I've come to see my friends rather than with the expectation that I'm going to meet God. 
that God's going to speak to me and might even speak through me and speak to someone else. See, my lack of expectation then leads to frustration. And this can lead me to thinking, what's the point? And then that can lead to not coming at all. See, familiarity is subtle, but it's dangerous. Keep a check on it. Look out for the warning signs and commit quickly back to God. And I want to show you, you might be thinking, yeah, yeah. But I want to show you in the Bible where familiarity bred apathy, which then led to unbelief. Hebrews 3 and 16 says this. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they, not, were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? And verse 19, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And this is a story, you may know it well, this is a story of the Israelites who had seen the miraculous provision of God. You know, they were freed from captivity. They witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. They received manna every day from heaven. They saw and experienced more than you or I ever will, yet they didn't enter the promised land. They didn't conquer because they weren't committed. See, familiarity had crept in, which eventually led to their unbelief. And this is why it it doesn't uh, amaze me anymore when I see it happening with people, but it does deeply sadden me. And I want to finish this morning with this. It's from Bill Bill Hybels, uh, a great church leader from the United States. He says this, over all his time of leadership, I've not met anyone who regretted his or her decision to become a devoted, a fully committed follower of Christ. I could fill a stadium, though, with people who shipwrecked their lives because they refused God's call. People write to me saying, if only I could roll back the clock, if only I hadn't have been obstinate in my relationship with God, if only I'd listened. He goes on then to say, radical commitment to Jesus Christ is a tough challenge, but it leads to a life in all its fullness. So for us here today, what's it going to be? A life of radical commitment or a life of regret? And this morning as the the bands come back and start to play, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. You know, some of you may have that phrase running around your head too, like I did. Are you kidding me? You're joking, right? Do you know what I'm going through at the moment and you want me to commit to you? Some of you may be going through really difficult situations, but I want you to know that you need that, that, that God is first committed to you. He's committed to your well-being and your growth and that you can have confidence in that what he started, he will accomplish. And I want to give you the opportunity as well to be real this morning. I didn't just share what I did for sharing's sake. It was personal. It was real. And some of us need to be more real in our relationship with God. First, we need to commit ourselves to him before then committing everything else to him. I want you to know this morning that if 
you feel alone. <laughs> you feel isolated. Remember, God is close. Commit to him. If you feel broken, if you're in pain, if you're sick in your body, then this morning I want to encourage you to hold on to your healing. Commit to him. If you can't do whatever it is you're facing in your own strength this morning, thinking I can't go on, I've had enough, I'm ready to chuck it all in, I'm going to quit, I can't do it in my own strength anymore. I want to say don't. Do it in his strength. Commit again. If you feel you can't, uh, if you feel down, if you feel empty, if you feel tired and worn out with life, I, I want you to find something to be thankful for in this moment and then receive his rest. Commit to him. And if you feel scared this morning, if fear is all around you, you don't know what decision that you need to take next, then I want you to know that you can trust in him. But you need to commit to him. And then for all of us, you know, if we don't want familiarity to creep in, then we need to take a, a stand now and commit ourselves back to him. You know, if any of that has resonated with you this morning, it may be something else where you, need, you know that you need to commit back to God. Familiarity may have crept in. I, I want you to remember that God can't do much with what we don't give him. It's time to commit again. And at the end of this series and for the rest of the year, it would be great, wouldn't it, if we all committed ourselves to God as a church, committed ourselves before committed, uh, committing everything else to him. And when we do that, we have the complete uh, uh, confidence and assurance that he's committed to us first. The committed you. You can become the person you were meant to be. So let's pray. If any of that's resonated with you, I'd, I'd really like you to stand. I want to pray for you. Maybe it's time just to commit again to God before we commit everything else to God. And you may want to take a stand about familiarity right now. Don't let it creep in. Commit yourself back to him now. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, I want to pray for every person standing here, every person who's responded to you. May they know that you are completely first committed to them and that what you've started, you will accomplish. Father God, I want to pray that as they commit themselves to you right now and then maybe commit everything else that they're going through, that you would meet them. Father, where there is breakthrough needed in their lives, I pray that you would break through. Father, where there is healing, Father, I pray that they would be healed. Father, where there is uncertainty, where there is fear, where they don't know what to do, I pray that they would know of your comfort and your peace. But above all else, I want to pray for resilience. I want to pray that every individual here would stay fully committed to you. That familiarity would never creep in. And as that happens, that they would know that the God of hope will fill them with all joy and peace as they trust in you 
so that they will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.